Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into this emergency edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. And George, we're talking on the post-game pod uh, on Sunday evening how we were going to keep an eye on Jim Mercy's Twitter, see if there's anything brewing. I thought it was going to be more focused on the head coach, and yet on Monday we get the news that a move is going to be made, not head coach-related, not GM-related. Surprisingly, quarterback-related is Matt Ryan was announced not only is he going to get benched this week for Sam Ellinger, he is getting benched for at least seemingly right now the rest of the season. It is Sam's job now uh, going forward weeks 8 through 18, 10 games of Sam Ellinger now as he'll be the new uh, Colts starting quarterback. So let's just get your surprise level, George. We talked about this yesterday in the postgame pod, how we both thought or uh, the possibility we did not think it was the right time to do so and still Matt Ryan was the guy for the job going forward here. But now that the move's actually made, where's your surprise level? What is kind of your initial reaction to this surprising news? Yeah, I'm very surprised. I guess we're one in seven now, right? We're one in six on game <laughs> picks, and now we're we're one in seven on when you throw in the quarterback. So if we agree on something, uh, it's a pretty safe bet to go the other way, I suppose. Um, we made a lot of nah, Colts fans money by them fading us, that's for sure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So keep that up. Um I I'm stocked. I mean, I'll be honest, especially with Frank coming out and saying uh, that it's not 
the injury that that's making this happen. You know, that there is a grade two shoulder separation and that Ryan won't practice this week and, and he won't be active on Sunday. Uh, but that's not the reason this move was made, that it was going to be made at any, and you know, in, in any case. Um, I think every indicator out there is that it was ownership driven, uh, which is very similar to what happened with Carson Wentz, to be honest, you know, that, that move to, to get rid of him was, was pretty ownership driven. Um, and now here they are with a 24 year old quarterback who hasn't thrown a pass in a regular season game. Uh, and, and, you know, oddly still in, in playoff contention, I think it's one of the things that we were talking about yesterday. You're obviously pretty negative about the division champion or about the division chances now, because you, you, you know, you've been swept by the most prominent rival and you're one, three and one in division games. So, you know, you're not going to have any tiebreakers. You're going to have to finish a game ahead of Tennessee to win this division, but in the wild card race, they're right there. You know, I mean, they're, they obviously came into the week with the seven seed. They're not going to still be in that spot at, at the end of all this, but they're right in, in the mix of, of what we've talked about being really a mosh pit in the AFC right now for teams with, with chances to, to kind of, you know, make this postseason, and that I think is why it's shocking to me, uh, because it doesn't feel like a move. It feels like a move more meant to evaluate the quarterback and see what they've got in Sam Ellinger than a move to maximize this team's chances of of making the postseason. You are right, and that's why I was surprised. Like when we were talking about it, uh, at least context-wise, on Sunday night, we thought if there was a move to make a quarterback and you bench Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger it would be for the Colts to try to win games. And we both were in agreement that that's really not like the, the move to make because, yes, he brings more mobility, and that's really what the quarterback position needs because his offensive line has just been horrific this year. But we didn't think that Sam Ellinger's passing ability and his lack of NFL experience was going to override his mobility or, or the lack of mobility in the, in the quarterback position to make this Colts a better team than where they are right now, Matt Ryan. But it's interesting when you hear Frank Reich on Monday say that the Colts are making Sam Ellinger the quarterback for the rest of the season. For me, my interpretation of that, Georgia, I'm curious if you agree, is that they are done with this 2022 season. Like they I think are acknowledging, even though you're right, they're three, three, and one. They are right in the mix for a wild card berth, and the rest of the AFC has really been underwhelming. So it's not like you know they are out of it by any stretch of the imagination. But for the first time in a long time, it feels like the Colts are actually taking this quarterback position seriously. Right? Ever since Angel Luck retired, it's been Patrick. It's basically been band-aids on bullet holes. Right? Yeah, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and now Matt Ryan. None of them, for the most part, really, outside of Philip Rivers, have truly worked to what the Colts have wanted so far in terms of results. And now through seven games, when you, not again, not only bench Matt Ryan, and not only bench him for injury, but bench him for the rest of the season, seven games into what is supposed to be a two-year marriage when he was brought in here, nonetheless. This feels like the Colts finally saying, you know what, screw it. This year is lost, and we are actually now going to take tangible steps in terms of getting our quarterback for the future and that, to me, means tanking. I don't think they are making this move for Sam Ellinger to win games and make the playoffs. I think they're making this move to, number one, see what they have in this young quarterback that's kind of intriguing that they put on the 53-man roster uh, and cut to begin with. And then, number two, to, to get as in a good of a position as possible to where if they need to either trade up or draft a quarterback in the first round, they are in position to do so. Maybe can you know don't have to give up an absorbent amount of draft capital uh, let's say they were, let's say, 24th or 25th compared to 9th or 10th. So this feels like, to me, they're punting the 2022 season. When not only you make Sam Ellinger the quarterback seven games in, but also, to you announce already, with 10 games to go, he's a quarterback for the rest of the uh, rest of the season. 
Yeah, you know, I think this is definitely about getting off the quarterback carousel. I think that's the main goal of this. They truly believed in Matt Ryan coming in. You heard the things that that Jim Irsay said about him in the offseason, Navy SEAL. You know, he's such a special person and and a special quarterback. Um, And I think the fact that it hasn't worked has, I believe, you know, this is me reading between the lines right now. It's convinced them to get off of that carousel. Because as you mentioned before, you had Jacoby Brissett, you've had, Philip Rivers, you've had Carson Wentz, and you've had Matt Ryan since Andrew Luck retired, and the only one of those guys who really came in and, and lived up to the billing and 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 the team looked like they were supposed to look was was Philip Rivers. And I think now at this point, when it didn't work with Matt Ryan, and look it, from that standpoint, it's not surprising. From he's he's responsible for twelve of the team's fourteen turnovers. You know, he threw nine interceptions in seven games. It's it's a justifiable move based on the problems he's had, you know, being efficient with this football team right now. And based on what we said on, on the pod after the game yesterday about him being brought in to avoid exactly this situation. You know, he was here to not turn the ball over 12 times in the first seven games um, and, and to kind of stabilize things. I thought it was also interesting today that Frank Reich was very open and said that, look, they sold Matt Ryan a, a bill of goods. They brought him in here with the idea this marriage was created with the idea that they were going to protect the quarterback and they were going to have a, an elite running game. They've done neither of those things. And so it's not just Matt Ryan who's failed this team. It's it's the offense in general. And I think all of that in a, in a roundabout long answer way comes back to agreeing with you. I, I think this is all about now. Let's take a look at Sam Ellinger. Let's see if there's anything there, if he can be the guy for the future. And if he's not, you put yourself in a position where you're you're better equipped to either move up and get a quarterback or, you know, if they like somebody in the Will Levis and in Hooker kind of range, you might be right there where you need to be to get them. And this is like, I'm just I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment, George, but when you hear this news, this feels like like honestly, like when you look at the future, this this Colts team, I feel better and even more excited as a fan that, you know what, they are finally acknowledging the seriousness of the position. Like, it's tough because in one aspect, I respect and I like Chris Ballard basically not taking a quarterback, just take a quarterback. We've seen plenty of teams do that. And more times than not most times, it blows up in your face. Like, if you are not in love with a guy or you don't think he's the right fit for your system, but you feel the pressure from the GM, from the owner, from the fan base to get a quarterback, when you just kind of just, ah, willy-nilly, I'll take one, it never really works out. So in one aspect, I do respect Chris Ballard for kind of sticking to his guns and never kind of forcing it if he didn't like someone. But with that said, again, when you're seven games in, when this was supposed to be a two-year marriage, again, by the way, with Matt Ryan, where it's not, in their mind, supposed to be a one-and-done kind of thing, to do it seven games in, this feels like Jim Mercer taking control of the organization saying, look, we are not going through another offseason of quarterback questions. We are not going to go get another hope project. Because that's really so far the biggest frustration with the Colts' quarterbacks last few years, it's all been based on hope. Jacoby said, I get it. You have you have nowhere else to go when your quarterback retires two weeks before the season starts. So fine. You kind of scratch that for you know, scratch that one because you had nothing, you know, nowhere to go. 2020 Phil Bruce, their credit, the hope worked, right? He was washed up in, in San Diego slash LA. They bring him on over and he had a rejuvenation. I think the Colts were expecting maybe even one more year before he retired. Um, obviously, we know he was went back. Carson Wentz, then you get him off the scrap heap coming off of his worst year in Philly, and that's kind of, again, oh, we hope, you know, we can reclaim his career. Obviously, that didn't really work to what the Colts wanted. And same thing with Matt Ryan. 
where you kind of free him from Atlanta, where he didn't have a lot of offensive line protection and some weapons were there were, were questionable and the defense is not very good. And it's, again, another, oh, we hope we can turn his career around. And now this feels all right. They're going all in, for the most part, we believe, on what is to be, you know, a quarterback in the first round. I don't think a crazy and go like Jordan Love or, or maybe Trey Lance on the block. Like the, the last thing we're going to try to do this early is predict the quarterback carousel because, you know, it's always crazy. We don't see, you know, don't expect moves to be happening. But they do have, for the most part, all their picks, you know, in, in a row ready to, you know, have the ammo ready to move up if need be. This feels like the first time in a long time the Colts actually taking the quarterback position seriously. And for lack of a better word, just tanking it and giving up on a season that Frank, uh, that George, I think rightfully so, they don't really, they should not try to continue to win games when you are this bad and this inconsistent, even with the rest of the conference not being good. Yeah, I mean, the offense just hasn't done anything. And I think that's part of this too. I mean, you go through and the frustration, I think, on this season is that the defense has been everything that 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 they were cracked up to be. I mean, in all honesty, they're moving in the right direction. They're moving into being that top 10 type of defense. Um, they're giving you a chance to win most of these games. They've got issues. They've, they've had their own problems, but theirs are, are, you know, significantly minor in comparison to what's been going on on the other side of the ball. And even on the offensive side, the receivers, the young receivers have stepped up. You feel really good about the future at that position right now with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell because those guys have really been growing and, and showing something and, and promising uh, the tight ends, the young tight ends, Jelani Woods and Kylan Granson have had good years. Molly Cox has stepped up and had a good, good run. Um, but the two things that you most counted on and on this offense were that offensive line in the run game. And they haven't been there and they go hand in hand, obviously then your quarterback, they, they've tried, look, they've tried everything. We talked about this yesterday. Where do you go from here? They've tried everything to kind of fix the offensive line. A hundred different combinations. You went to a no huddle. You've done just about everything in your power to sort of fix that line. And it it still all fell apart in Tennessee. So I guess the next logical move in their mind is to try to 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 make a change at quarterback where all these turnovers have come in and it's been another part of that problem. Um, so I don't think I don't think in their minds that they're giving up on the season, but I do think that it it's gonna look that way from the outside. And I think that it might end up being the the outcome here. I think they think that this is what they have to do. The same way as, you know, Dennis Kelly coming in after one series to replace Bernard Raymond. I think they feel like this is what they have to do. The question is, are they right? And I think ultimately it ends up being all about the quarterback because as you were talking about, you know, buying into, okay, we're going to get serious about replacing this quarterback. We're going to get the long-term answer. We're going to, we're going to, you know, solve this huge problem that that's been there. You're a Penn State fan. I think Sean Clifford's been been there for huh. five years. They've had one quarterback in the last five years. The Colts will now be on their sixth starting quarterback. I mean, that's how bad the carousel has been. But my question is, do Frank Reich and Chris Ballard survive a tank? That's why I'm not sure that that's what's going in. The thought absolutely crossed my mind. It was something that I, when I first, you know, when when Frank Reich first announced this today on the conference call, I was thinking, wow, you know, have they given up on the season? But I'm not sure Frank Reich and Chris Ballard can afford to. That's fascinating because you said before, and I'm in agreement, I think this move is generated by Jim Mercer, right? I don't think this is Frank Reich. I could be wrong. I don't think this is Frank Reich kind of using this to kind of as a last-ditch effort to turn the season around and make a playoff run. I don't think this is Chris Bauer thinking, all right, you know, let's just try to, you know, save my job here by putting the backup quarterback in and seeing what can happen. 
if this is a Jim Ursay move, and we both are under the belief that this is probably Jim Ursay driven, especially when you see timing-wise, you have Frank Reich in the post-game press conference saying, Matt Ryan's our guy. He goes to chat with Jim Ursay, then the very next day, it's, oh, Sam Ellinger's starting, it's for the rest of the year. I think the rest of the year part is very important here, George, because like, why, like to your, there's so much, so many questions about Sam Ellinger, so much unknown. We've only seen him play for the most part against second and third string players in the preseason. He is mobile, yes. His arm strength is questionable. The development is questionable. Like, you know, the timeline for him getting ready. We talked about this during training camp. He's on like a two-year plan. This is year number one in terms of trying to evolve his game to become potentially a truly, you know, franchise caliber quarterback in the NFL. So he's kind of just in the infancy stages of his own development to get to a stage where he could possibly win a starting job somewhere, whether it's with the Colts or somewhere else. I don't think you make this move for the full season, basically commit to Sam Ellinger being your guy the rest of the year. 10 games is a long time, George. If mm-hmm. either this was not owner-driven, number one, or two, they said, you know what, the season's over. Because, again, like if, if you're Frank Reich and you're truly trying to save your job, what if Sam Ellinger stinks? Like, what if you make the move and it's like three games from now, he's clearly not ready to go? I don't think at least you commit to him the rest of the season Unless, again, it was that choice is out of your hands. And if you're Jim Mersey, you don't really care how the rest of the season goes because you're going to, you know, no one's firing him. It's his team. So you don't care if you win four games or, you know, 10 games. You want that franchise quarterback. And if you want to see your guy, Sam Ellinger, take a look, I think that's why he's, he's going to be the guy the rest of the year. So no, I, I agree. It's, it's tough. It's almost, it's so weird because I feel like Frank Reich is a dead man walking at this point. So it's almost just like it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is and it doesn't even matter what the season is. So, like, why not, if you're Jim Mercer, just let it go in the tank and try to get his best position as possible? But to your point, it's like, I mean, Frank Reich, I think, is still going to coach, you know, for his job. I think Chris Ballard's still going to look at the trade deadline and try to look at this roster and put it in position to where they're going to try to win games. Like, I don't expect Jonathan Taylor starting week 10 to, to be benched. Right? Like, like, I don't think that, you know, organizationally they'll be all in on the tank, but – at least, or head coach GM-wise, but it sounds to me like, at least from the outside, Jim Mersey is all in on the tank. I agree 100%. You know, I I, I, I don't know on the last part. I, I, I don't know if Jim Mersey views it that way. I think he's a big Sam Ellinger fan. I really do. We've had indications of that before. You know, I, I think there's a part of him that really believes this is going to work. Now, the question is, if that's the case, you know, what does that mean about the head coach and the GM moving forward as well? Because if he really believes that Sam Ellinger can fix this and, and it doesn't happen, it's another. This is really a fascinating development because of all the potential offsprings that it brings. You know, I mean, I think ultimately, like you said, it should be an optimistic day from a fan standpoint and that something major is happening at quarterback and they're going to try to make a major change here. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see what that leads to. You know what I mean? In terms of if things go as poorly as they could, if this team's three thirteen and one, you know that's the worst case outcome, right? Yeah. Uh, then you then you're in a position probably to take a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. Uh, I don't know, maybe Hendon Hooker makes his way into that by the end of the year. He's he's certainly moving up the Heisman oh, yeah. uh, standings. I don't know if he's moving up the the draft boards and things yet, but you know. Um, from a coach and a GM standpoint, do you survive that? You know, do they survive eight, eight and one? Do they survive nine, seven and one? I don't know. That's, what's going to be really interesting. What, I guess that's my question now is what is the bar for success moving forward? 
You know, you did, just, did they make this move with the idea that, that Sam Ellinger could move them into the playoffs, or did they make this move with the idea that it could go really horribly? Selfishly, George, I really hope that this move was made with the idea that this is going to go horribly compared to, oh, he's going to be the savior for our season. Because, like, when you talk about, I guess, best and worst case for the uh, scenarios for this season moving forward, they're 3-3-1. Three, three and one. The division's basically shot. The Colts have shown you they could be a good team some Sundays, but most of the time they've been a very bad team and very inconsistent. So you, when you talk about, like, the worst-case scenario, I guess, especially coming off of yesterday's game, I thought, right, worst-case scenario is Colts go 9-7-1, and 8-8-1, eight, eight, and, and they're stuck in the middle. You know, you're right in the middle of the draft class where, you're, you're, you know, you, you got to trade up an arm and a leg to move up to get a quarterback, and you probably won't even get in the top five or top three to maybe get your number one guy that you want, and they're obviously not going to take the playoffs. That, I thought, up until you sparked a thought right there, was the worst-case scenario. I think now you we have to redefine our definition. I would say the worst-case scenario for the Colts the rest of the year is this. Jeremy Mercer truly does believe in Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger shows you some good, some bad, mostly inconsistent, and Jim Ursay goes into the offseason thinking, you know what? Frank Reich is the problem with Sam Ellinger. We can get the most out of it. We're going to get rid of him. Maybe get rid of the GM too, bring in a whole new regime, but we're going to center our focus and see what they can do with Sam Ellinger. And you keep him as kind of the guy moving forward. I think that's the worst case scenario for the Colts because we've seen it, you know, whether it's at Texas, whether it's in training camp, like Ellinger, I'm sorry to ruin, you know, write him off already. He's not the guy. I think we can just go, he is not the franchise guy for the Colts. If Jim Mercer, though, thinks he's the guy and is blaming Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and some of the other coaches for his lack of development and wants to see how um, Ellinger can play with a new set of coaches and a new voice, that, I think, is the absolute worst-case scenario now for the Colts going forward. I would agree. I, I think that's the worst-case outcome from all of this is that if Ellinger somehow leaves you on the fence and the owner's in his corner, and I don't know, I, I, I've been, you know, I've had every indication that, 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 Ursay's a fan, but I don't know what level, you know what I mean? You know, maybe, maybe he's like a lot of other people and he's just intrigued by what, what could happen. And he just wants to see, you know, but my question on that is, you know, are you giving your head coach and in, in your GM a grace period? If that's the case, if you're taking a waiver here and, and trying to find out what Sam Ellinger can be, are you factoring that into any other decision that you're going to have to make in the off season? You know, I, I don't know. Or are you saying, you pushed me into this spot and I, you know, I, I don't know. That's what's so fascinating to me about this situation. It's kind of a chicken or an egg, you know, kind of, a, kind of a thing right now. Why are they making this move deep down? You know, they're saying up front, they think that, that Sam can do this and that they can, but you know, if they really thought that would they have gone out and gotten Matt Ryan to begin with, if they really thought that, that Sam Ellinger was the guy they could win with, I will say this, he's an easy guy to root for. I think right. that's what I think that's a big part of this. You know, he's a really the stuff that he's overcome off the field is way bigger than anything he'll ever do on the football. On, on you know, during a game, they're, they're, the things that he's had to deal with, with the death of his father and the death of his brother, and the way that he's handled that at 24 years old, um, that'll get him more respect and, and be more worth in his life than anything he's ever going to do in the NFL or anything he did at Texas. Um, and I think he's a natural leader. I, you know, I've, I've said for a long time, I think he's a future coach. I mean, you really look at this guy and I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to walk into a living room someday and convince mothers to send their kids to whatever school he's at pretty, pretty easily. Um, and I think he's got a, he's got a great football mind. I mean, you don't have to talk to him very long to understand that he's extremely intelligent in general, but also when it comes to football, he understands this game. I think he's ahead of where most second year guys would be in terms of, 
his grasp of an offense and his understanding of, you know, what it takes to win a football game. But the question has been all along. The reason he went in the sixth round is his physical traits. You know, I mean, for one thing, even if he does come out and, and is a revelation and is throwing the ball well from the pocket and making plays with his legs, he's not a big guy. Can he hold up? You know, if he takes a beating the way Matt Ryan did, can he hold up? You know, even if it, even if the best case scenario happens and he goes out on Sunday against Washington and looks like uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, <laughs> I don't know who you want to throw out there, Josh Allen, you know, whatever whatever comparison you want, um, way beyond your wildest dreams, can he stay healthy? I mean, those are the questions, and and I think the physical limitations ultimately are going to, like I said yesterday on the pod, I think he could come in and give a spark to this team, you know, for a while. Um, but I don't know that the physical limitations are something that he's going to overcome. Guys had doubters his whole life. He's kind of basically, you know, shoved them off all the way. I, it's one of these times I would love to be wrong. I would love nothing more than to, you know, a month from now be doing a Mia culpa right here on this podcast and saying I was wrong. Sam Ellinger's the guy because I think all the intangibles, everything else about him makes you want to root for him. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, I don't think he's got the physical gifts that, that you need to succeed in the league, but we'll see. We will definitely find out for sure. It's going to be also fascinating where, you know, we will truly know we can speculate. At least I think that this is a move for the Colts to tank and kind of say, all right, this season's over. We're not even going to care about the playoffs anymore. We're going to care about draft positioning more than anything else. I think that will, that will, we will truly find out, let's say in, in a few weeks or so too, because if Sam Ellinger struggles as we think he will, especially early on, when you do this, like that's, I guess the surprising part. We still have 10 games to go. And again, you watch, we watch the Colts every single week. They're not a very, like, they're not a playoff team. I think that's fair to say. If they make the playoffs, they're not making, they are nowhere near the Bills and the Chiefs. It's, there's oceans worth uh, in terms of the gap between, you know, the top in the AFC and where the Colts are right now. So getting to the playoffs, really, frankly, is not going to do them any good. Um, they're not going to make much noise anyway. But with 10 games left, and if this could, this could get really ugly, because if Sam Ellinger struggles, let's say, and, um, you know, a month from now, we're it's the other way. It's like this is even worse than we thought. He looks totally lost out there. The two-year development, like, was being generous. That's really where, you know, the, the full season um, making the star is going to be pushed to the test. And really, we're going to see if the Colts are just openly tanking or not. Because, I mean, look, Nick Foles thinks it's really not one of those things where I think you're going to have to make a move. But I don't think – I think I'll say this. We've seen the last of Matt Ryan as a Colts quarterback. I think if another move is going to be made where the Colts – and Frank Reich may be coaching for his job at this point. He's trying to do anything to get a spark. I think they'll turn to Nick Foles before going back to that, right? Would you be surprised or would you expect, George, even at, let's say, especially if Sam Ellinger struggles, you think we'll see Matt Ryan again? Or is this, for the most part, you think already it? I, I don't know if I'm going to be capable of being surprised anymore. You know, I think <laughs> that's, that's also true. At this point. That's very true. You know, where we're at now, I don't know how much surprise I've got left in me. Uh, but I do think. When, when we talked about this yesterday, if you're going to make the move, you you have to commit to it. Like if, if you make Sam Ellinger your starter, you've got to commit to it. So far they are. I, I'm going to be honest here. They kind of did that with Raymond and it lasted a series. So I'm not sure yeah. how much putting into the rest of the season thing right now. We'll see. You know, um, I, I, I think as we go back to your worst case scenario, I still think what you talked about as the worst case scenario is absolutely the worst case scenario. This team scraps to an eight, eight and one nine, seven and one finish. And there's enough reason to believe and they, and they stick with Sam Ellinger moving forward. Even if there's reason not to believe it's, you know, it's kind of on the fence. 
I, I do think that's the worst possible outcome. You'd love to have a definitive answer on him one way or another. Uh, but I think the other, like the number two, the runner up to that is if in a month or six weeks, Matt Ryan's a starting quarterback again, and they're trying, they're still hanging around at five, five and one or six, four and one, or, you know, whatever, six, six and one, when they, when they would make a decision like this and trying to make a run at a wild card spot and putting Matt Ryan back in. I think that's one a to your number one worst case scenario. Jeez. This is, I mean, go down the rabbit hole too, because I think a third worst case scenario, if he gets hurt, like if Sam Ellinger gets hurt in uh, this week, next week, three games from which now, is I mean, very possible. Let's with this, honest. how bad this offensive line is, one thousand percent. And then to your point, you don't get an answer. Then it's like, oh, look, we don't know what you're like. The one thing we don't know is Jim Irsay's, we'll say, infatuation, love, interest in Sam Ellinger as the potential answer for the Colts' quarterback woes and quarterback carousel. So maybe he's not on the fence. Maybe he's like me and you, a doubter who wants to see, or maybe he truly is like this could be the guy. The worst, you know, one of the worst things that happened is not only that he plays okay enough that they say, you know what, screw the, the draft pick. Even if they're in a position to draft someone, they say, I will go offensive line or somewhere else. The number two thing is, like you said, they're, they're trying to chase a playoff spot and bring Matt Ryan back. And also, too, if he gets hurt, like, in, in a week or two, again, when there's no protection in front of him, then it just, again, doesn't close the door on who he truly is, can he play or not. And then, again, they run it back next year because, oh, we didn't see enough, so we're going to kind of, you know, give him 2023. The Colts... I think one way or another, George, is only one good outcome for the rest of this 2022 Colts season. It's that they set themselves up to get uh, the answer for 2023. Because 2022 is over, right? Now your number one goal, your number one focus has to be, how can we get a sure answer at quarterback for 2023? It could be in the draft. It could be trading for Jordan Love or Trey Lance. Like Again, there, there could be plenty of options here. It just has to be someone you truly believe in. And that is not going to be a, a again a bandit on a bullet hole, which they've been doing the last four years. Yeah, you know, I, I could say this now too. You know, when, when I look out there at, at this situation, and I'm probably going to end up regretting this because it feels like most things I say on this spot, I end up later regretting. I, I think if nothing else, it's telling you Matt Ryan's not the guy for 2023. I think it, it, that's to me the most definitive thing that came yes. out of today. You know, we don't know who it's going to be. Um, it could be Sam Ellinger. It, it's not going to be Nick Foles. I don't think, I think we can rule him out as well. Sheesh. Um, oh my God. George. Don't, don't, don't even tease, please. I, well, I mean, I, I think if they felt like that, he, he'd be the guy right now. You know, if they felt like he was in the conversation for 2023, he'd be the guy right now. Uh, I think it's, it's Sam Ellinger or it's somebody who's not on the roster right now. I think that's the most definitive answer we can get out of today. The, the reasoning behind it. All the other things, you know, there's a lot of speculation. It's going to continue for a while as to why they made this move. Uh, do they really truly believe that Sam Ellinger is is a better option? Um, you know, right now they're selling the idea of mobility. We talked about that. He's definitely more mobile. Um, you know, I think he can run the quick passing game. You don't need a lot of arm strength to run, you know, sort of the the, the passes that they threw the last couple of of weeks. Um, you know, the quick short passes, getting a ball out quick. I think he's got the mind to do that. I think he'll show. I think he'll throw some jump balls. We've seen that from him in the in the preseason. I think he'll take some chances for guys like Michael Pittman. We were talking about that yesterday as well. Is that one way to to, to you know to bring it up uh, to bring up this offense right now? But I don't know that he's going to consistently lead the team down the field and and score points. Which I guess you know from a from a purely best case scenario from the franchise's standpoint, that's what they want to see. He goes out there. He improves the offense. They score points on a more regular basis, get up in the 20 point range and make the playoffs. And then you do feel like, you know, I guess that's 
my question to you right now is what does Sam Ellinger have to do to be the guy in 2023? I, I hate to say this. I'll be honest here, George. I hate to say nothing like, cause I, I'm not rooting against Sam Ellinger, the person uh, like you said, you've highlighted, he has a great story. He's a great guy overall. I'm sitting here though, with this quarter carousel driven me crazy at this point. I hope that the Colts go in the tank. I, I really do. I hope that he struggles. I hope that the offense is, is not solved whatsoever. I hope we're sitting here, frankly, at like a, I don't know, 4, 12 and 1, 5, 11 and 1 kind of team with a top seven pick in the draft. In part because, George, look at history of the Colts. That's always been a good thing for them. Like to their credit, they have nailed the tank. And whether it was getting Peyton Manning in 98, whether it was, you know, having obviously him get injured and you have 2011 just be a disaster, you get Andrew Luck in 2012, or even two, when you had Andrew Luck in 2017, he missed that year. You get the number three overall pick, you trade back to the Jets, you get Quentin Nelson, who up until this year seemed to be, you know, one of the best players in the NFL. In recent history, the last really three times the Colts have been one of the worst teams in the NFL. They have gotten some sort of generational player out of it. I think it's going to go back to the well, to be honest. Go go for it. See if you can go four for four. Keep on striking lightning in a bottle and see if you can find, whether it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, another quarterback maybe we're not talking about right now. Max go Duggan. take you Max Duggan, who's lighting it up. Let's go. Spencer Sanders, who right now is lighting up the Big 12 as well. Go find that guy that could kind of be your next 10-year quarterback. That's, Sean that's Clifford. Only, only, no, I'll tell you that, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen enough of Sean. Six years is too much. All right, I'll tell you that right now. He is not the answer. Please, God, no. It's the last thing I need. I may quit. I, I had to throw that one out there just, to, just to get your reaction. No, but I, I think that's you know that that to me is interesting because I do think there's a lot of fans who are going to feel the same way you do right now. Like I, I think you're going to have a very big divide in the fan base now moving forward. You're going to have the half that, that that's been waiting for this, that wants Sam Unger to succeed and is like truly pulling for him and, and, and hoping that this team can, can make a run and, and, you know, be a, a factor in the AFC. And you're going to have the other half going, just tank, just lose, you know, 10 straight tank, in a row. Tank, tank. Um, I can't wait for those, know, those chance to break out of Lucas Oil Stadium. Tank, tank, And the, tank, and the tank. Pacers are doing it right now at the same time. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a really interesting thing. I mean, what if, while we're just throwing out speculation here, I want to be, very clear. Nothing I have said today is based on any inside info. This is complete and utter speculation. Uh, while we're throwing speculation, what if you get Victor Wembanyama? I can never say his name. Wembanyama. The Pacers yeah. end up with him, and the Colts get Bryce Young. Would that be the biggest spring slash summer in the history of Indianapolis sports? I'm trying to. I don't think there's anything that could top the hype. That would be the the city would be walking on air. Let's go, George. I, Indy needs it. All right. Andy needs it. Let's go. Tank it up. Number one pick for the Pacers. Number one pick for the Colts here. And let's get two generational guys that could turn both these franchises. Right. That would be you talk about hitting the home run. Let's <laughs> let's. I love it. I love it, George. That's what we're talking about here. That though is going to require some bad play from Sam Ellinger. We'll just call it how it is. A lot of bad play. Right. That's the thing because you know we were talking about this before we came on the on on the air. Uh, they're in, they're kind of against the wall a little bit in in the race for the number one overall pick, right? I mean, you got some teams. They've got three losses, so they're not. I think four right now is the most. Five maybe, uh, but they they've got some work to do. If if that's the plan, if they're trying to get up to the top of the draft board, you know, there there's some teams in pretty good shape, including Pittsburgh, including Carolina. 
uh, including Houston that are just as quarterback needy who are ahead in that race right now. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I, that's why I don't think ultimately this move was made. It, it definitely crossed my mind. There's no question about it. You know, it definitely crossed my mind. Uh, but I think ultimately this move was not made with the, with the tank idea. I think it was made at least uh, let's say I, I need to clarify this. I don't think it was made directly with the idea of tanking. I think it was made with the idea to find out what you have in Sam Ellinger. And then you can move forward. As you said earlier, I think you said at the top of this, this pod, if you got the ninth or 10th pick, now you're in a situation where you can maybe, you know, make some moves again, though. So much of that depends on who's got those top picks. You know, if you end up with, I think the worst case scenario for the Colts as the draft goes is that the top three is some combination of Houston, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. They're all taking quarterbacks. Well, I just look at the standings right now, George. There are 19 teams that have a similar or worse record than the Colts. And a lot of them, a lot, need quarterbacks or would be in the quarterback market. Not all of them, but there are some bad teams, like you said. If you get the Panthers, you get the Steelers, uh, you get, you know, the Lions, the Texans. Like, it, this is going to be a draft where it's going to be tough to get your guy. Um, and number one, is going to be some stiff competition for getting that top pick. But I think – at least part of it, when you make Sam Ellinger the starter for, and you determine it right now today, he's going to be the starter for the rest of the year. I think you're at least in one aspect acknowledging things could go, you know, turn around, mm. but also if things go south, we're going to basically embrace it and just kind of roll with it and kind of accept, you know, basically a, a bad season, a losing season, which I think at the end of the day is what Colts fans want. I think that's honestly the right thing to do. Like, don't get that's stuck just- in fool's gold of your record and say, oh, we can make a playoff run when you're nowhere near a playoff caliber team. And to that point, you know, Frank Reich said today that he has a lot of faith in Sam Ellinger and he feels like there's he's a playmaker, but he also said there's going to be growing pains. You know, he kind of prepared that a little bit. He said that that there, he's going to make mistakes and there's going to be growing pains. So I think absolutely they know that there, there's bumps in the road ahead. But I also think when your quarterback's turned it over 12 times through seven games, you know, to be quite frank, how much worse does it get? I mean, hard to do you're much worse. Struggling, right? I mean, you are 100% right about that. So this is unexpected, George. A little emergency pod here on a Monday. Definitely make the midweek pod and the preview pod in Sunday's game against the Commanders way more interesting than, frankly, <laughs> I thought it was ever going to be coming off of that loss to Tennessee and assuming, seeing how bad this Colts offense has been. But there's the news. Sam Ellinger now is your new quarterback, number one for the Colts for the rest of the season starting this week against the Commanders. We will be back for the midweek pod. kind of still... Break it all down. What should expectations be for Sam Ellinger? Kind of discuss, you know, his future now as, as quarterback number one. So we'll get into that for the midweek pod. But thanks for joining us on this emergency edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, wherever you do get your podcasts.